0: hey holons welcome back to the brilliant podcast i hope you had a great week and enjoyed our first episode with david christian talking everything entrepreneurship seaweed plastic nori doms apologies for that that was a bit of clickbait there but um who knows uh, one day in the future we might see the world's first biodegradable condom wouldn't that be pretty cool So this week uh, in part two of my podcasting adventures in Indonesia, I chat with the founder of Art Nouveau, Lisa Tanti. One thing I'm realizing as a systemic designer is we talk a lot about uh, the points to intervene in a system for the most impact. And one question that's been on my mind lately has been, Is it better to teach children or is it better to teach adults when it comes to things like climate change, sustainability, circular economy, entrepreneurship, innovation? So that's one of the themes for me this week. And Lisa gives a really great story on uh, some of the impact of her work and uh, what she's doing in Indonesia. So enjoy. (music) thanks for joining us
1: yeah hi thank (laughs) you for interviewing or or, uh, inviting me (laughs) (laughs) to express myself
0: (laughs) absolutely um so lisa's just giving me a tour of her um, workshop um here in south jakarta um lisa's founder of art nouveau yes do you want to tell us a bit about art nouveau
1: oh well it's been almost 20 years um, 18 years actually uh I started doing art and craft uh, partly to teach to raise the social awareness for the kids to, uh, to be more creative and I ended up using a lot of uh, recycled materials actually part of my frustration in finding art materials back then and I guess I got hooked uh, and it became more like a challenge to me and became excited at how can I always challenge myself to be more creative with whatever I get whether it's a plastic bottle or or cloth or or whatever, you know, just name it, any trash. To me, it's always um, an idea of um, how can you push your mind, not just about creativity, but to combine, you know, the left and right brain to understand the sciences and then uh, teaching people and and at the end of it uh, to raise the social awareness.
0: Yeah, brilliant. (laughs) So tell me about um, some of the initiatives that like, I I know you've just shown me some brilliant products that you guys make. maybe you can tell a bit about the work you do in schools
1: uh, well when we teach in schools we try to teach to the elementary students more so than the upper because they're a lot easier one and they're still more interested in art and we try to uh, we hope that we can create more socially aware children because uh, to be honest it's hard to tell the parents it's <laughs> always easier to tell the children yeah. and to raise that social awareness from little kids rather than adults because adults I think it takes uh, it takes a lot of work uh, that was our one of our main reasons also and uh, I guess at the end of the day it's because um, I love art
0: yeah. and
1: I think it's a good way to combine everything to do something out of it not yeah. just you know painting on a piece of canvas
0: yeah. so you're running um sort of privately held sessions after school with the kids? Yes, yeah?
1: yes. To schools. Normally we propose to schools and then it's always an after program so the children don't go out of the school. They come to our classes and then it depends. Sometimes uh, the classes are held per semester and then they renew it every, every term or every semester, half a year, half a year. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing it for the past 18 years. Wow.
0: <laughs> Incredible. And what about, can you tell us maybe some stories about kids that have gone through your programs, maybe like the satisfaction from the parents or...
1: Oh, um... The, the funny part that I will always enjoy is when the parents always come to me and complain. And they always tell me, because of you, uh, I can't throw anything at home. <laughs> and I said, that's a compliment for me because that, it, uh, that means I'm getting the education right. I mean, it, it goes into their brains, right? That's how I see it. And then I'm always happy when I meet my, um, the students. And the parents suddenly out somewhere in the mall. I don't even recognize them because they're all so much bigger. Yeah. And then suddenly, they call me, Miss, Miss Lisa. And then uh, the parents, are the us. Like, wow, you know, uh, my daughter or my son has been in your class for the past three, four years you know, and all. Uh, and he's grown up to be very creative. They don't necessarily have to be in arts. But um, it's always nice to know that, you know, when you do something, and you can change a person's creativity, it's not just about art. Creativity is also in science, in math, and everything. Mm. And I guess that's uh, that's a very nice compliment, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> to be able yeah. to change a little kids' mind to be more creative.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We had a little conversation just before about um, some of the products you make and that connection between art and mathematics. Can yeah. you just maybe talk on that a little bit? Oh,
1: okay. Um, I always believe that. Art is not just art, and it's only it's just the right brain. It's always a combination of the left and right brain. So, uh, what we try to do is sometimes like we do weaving, and we teach them because weaving, um, basic, simple understanding of math isn't about uh, times, multiplication, division, and algorithm. That's like really way too you know too high. The basic ones are always about pattern, logic, understanding. Um, like you said, just now the Fibonacci and all that—that that is basic and. Uh, we try to teach these children about patterns, to look at patterns in, in everything in life, because everything in life, even in nature, there's always patterns inside there.
0: Yeah, no, sorry about that. We've just got the dogs going up yeah. here, okay. here in Lisa's home. Um, yeah, really cool. So I was having a chat, like we use the acronym back home, STEM, and yeah. it's sort of starting to shift more to STEAM to include, include the arts. So STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, maths to include the arts but just the other day I had a meeting here um, uh-huh. with a lovely fellow and he added the E in the front with entrepreneurism but I don't know can you talk a bit like does that acrony- acronym STEAM or STEM get used much in education here like what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I think it's still um, it's shifting but it takes a long time it's not that easy to to actually shift the mind and, and, and make people understand that um, creativity is not just about art it's about everything in life to be creative is Creativity is about you knowing how to solve your problems. Mm. And um, the best to me, according to in my opinion, the best way to teach creativity is through art. When you're happy and I it's like when you go to the gym and you're happy, you feel good about yourself, and you have all these yeah. you know um, sciences, you know, the hormones and uh steroids, whatever, it's the same thing. When you're good in art and you're happy doing it, it just opens your mind to a lot of things.
0: Absolutely. And
1: that's the best way to teach children actually or even adults. When they're happy, they feel good about themselves.
0: It's I'm always amazed because you, you I've re- I read a lot about how this idea of how we're taught like as we grow up like creativity is like designed out. So in that sort of maybe we can talk a bit about how can we like design creativity back in or un- unlock that creative potential back when we're in that sort of adult stage of our lives. Like
1: I think when you're when you have. When you are taught and trained to become creative from small,
0: yeah.
1: it makes you a more positive person. And I think uh, no matter what challenges you come and face with, whether it's a nasty person or some, some don't know, whatever, uh, schoolwork, you're able to see things through in a different eye. It's like you're able to think out of the box and see, it, you know, from, a bird's, from an eagle's eye point of view rather than just looking at it there and then you say, I'm stuck and I can't do it. I think creativity teaches you to expand it, to, to to have a to be a lateral thinker rather than a linear one, mm. and that's actually math and science yeah. combined with art.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what sort of age of kids are you working with? Um, from
1: kindergarten all the way to uh, primary primary school. Yeah. The older ones are a little bit uh, difficult. High school because then they start having music, uh, you know, things like that. So uh, usually we. You know, go more for the little kids. Yeah. Because the bigger ones tend to go, you know, games and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a different thing. Um,
0: and are you doing any work with adult groups?
1: Uh, adult groups, I do are art therapies, actually.
0: Yeah, cool.
1: So what I do is sometimes I go um, either private session or group session. What I do is I, uh, for example, at you, you will draw something and then we will discuss it. And then uh, it's also because in art, whatever you do, it's it's a part of you, it's a part of your soul. And, and um, for me, when somebody draws, it's not about whether it's good drawing or not. I see more of emotions inside some dude or, or, or whether it's hidden or, or whether there's a, you, have, you have had a traumatic childhood, you have had um, abusive parents, verbally abusive parents. And you know, when you do art, you can actually tell, you can actually see it and... Uh, Sometimes we, uh, I do that for people, um, private clients or in group sessions, and we try to discuss things and and make people understand, you know, it's not your fault, you know. Um, you would just you just happen to be part of that whole nasty ordeal. And then mm. how do you actually go about uh, overcoming it using art?
0: That's amazing. That, that gets me really excited. That's really cool. Um, we had a chat. Can you maybe... I, I, without getting too cynical but your like synopsis of the education system here in Indonesia and maybe your hopes for the future like where are the sort of where are the, the where are the points like obviously you're doing some great work intervening and bringing arts and creativity back but what's
1: I think yeah. I wouldn't be too cynical because um humans are already cynical as it is I, yeah. I think the only thing is just to keep on trying persevere yeah. and never give up and um there's always been the ups and downs. I just tend to overlook them and and look at it in a positive way. Okay, you know maybe you just have to go through it and and let's try to work things out. Um, education is getting much better here, mm. but uh, still um in Asia especially, we're still always concerned about academics, which uh doesn't always not that it's not good, it may not always be the best solution, depending on the kid or the child yeah. or the adult. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, let's maybe talk a bit more about you for a bit. Can you tell us more about like your sort of career and like what you studied? Um,
1: okay, uh, yeah. I've, uh, I've never been good in academics. <laughs> so when I went to the States, I, I knew immediately that, okay, I, I do not see myself in an office with a jacket and pencil line skirt and high heel shoes, stilettos. <laughs> That was not me and uh, I decided to take art and uh, I've never regretted it and then I think after that I went to France to do fashion because I think it's all just art and I um, came back basically, got married and uh, I've been doing all this, um, sharing my passion with people actually, it doesn't matter who they are, whether it's my children or friends, you know, I, I just think that the best thing is always to keep on moving try and, and, and do things to bring about the change and uh, not harm people mm. along the way to do something good you know yeah. you don't have to always uh, possibly force it on someone and, and shove it down their throat is it, this is the, the way but uh, to do it gently
0: yeah um and you're also a restorative yoga teacher uh, so?
1: i'm a hatha yoga i, okay. I do hatha yoga actually yeah. i've been doing it for the past 30 years I guess from my mom's family, my grandpa and all that, they've been doing it. So, I think that helps. I think that all that has helped me to become more um, spiritually inclined. To be, uh, not laid back, but to always take a step back and look at things. Not saying that I'm on the losing end, but it's always nice to always take a step back and look like, where am I going? Am I doing the right thing? You know, uh, What you want may not always be the best thing. At the moment, it could be that your ideas cannot come to fruition um, maybe in another 10 years, even though you have fantastic ideas, and, and, and uh, learning to take one step at a time.
0: What's maybe the, is there a connection for you between like mindfulness and creativity? Like just some of your best ideas? Yes, I yeah. think
1: uh, because I've been doing yoga for so long, and I'm, um, I'm being, uh, I always tell people mindfulness is about like Buddhism, which I don't believe is a religion it's a way of life mm. and if you're always aware of what you're doing and what you say it brings a big consequence and impact it doesn't matter whether it's here Australia or, or, or you know or it's just going to be going down the trail it doesn't matter the whole idea is do you know what you're doing do you know what you're saying and hopefully you know if you can change one person in this world it's better than zero All right? <laughs>
0: Absolutely um, and this one sort of sort of got me but You said um, you're also a passionate soaper as a hobby on the side. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: I started soaping because I love art. And then I got to a point where art is not a hobby anymore because, you know, you become more professional doing it. So I needed something to keep me busy and uh, a passion, actually. And it was a way to uh, de-stress myself. So I started doing soap, partly because my daughter was having eczema. And uh, I made the soaps and I gave it to her. She was doubtful in the beginning. And after one week, she said, My your soaps are really working. And uh, it got me going. And I kept pushing myself. And um, because I made too many, because my husband was complaining, and I started giving to my yoga students. And they were all very happy. And they said it brought some changes. You could wow. see, actually. Because I used natural ingredients, like uh, turmeric for acne, or like the one that I gave you, honey. Natural honey. Yeah, is I antibacterial. And I think after that... Um, just people started buying and asking me do you sell and that got me working and uh to start selling my soap so uh i think it all comes in a package where you try to be uh healthy as natural as possible you know try trying to evade chemicals things like that
0: yeah <laughs> really cool i look forward to yeah taking all your gifts home with me that's, <laughs> that's very generous thank you um I'm actually, I'm holding a bag here yes. at the moment um, that you've made and a really cool use of old sort of vinyl or PVC yeah. banners and you've used that as a stiffener. We'll, um, I'll post some of Lisa's products um, up with this podcast episode. But can you tell us a bit about this batik style and with some of your designs, so you've got this sort of connection to the Indonesian culture? Um,
1: I think because I'm an Indonesian and I, I want to... Uh, raise a social awareness to people that batik can be beautiful.
0: So what is, what is batik for the listeners? For what? What, what is batik, like style or...
1: There is no specific style. Batik is just one of the traditional, it's like when we go back to Australia, the aborigines, mm. the motives. This is like the true Australian style. Yeah. And batik is also something that's been here for ages. And, um, I think, uh, what got me into batik was the fact that uh, I would like to promote that as part of my country's heritage, and I want to promote it to the youngsters because nowadays the young people do not want to wear batik. It's like, you know, and I want to prove to them that it's beautiful, and then I'm, if you know how to actually use it. So this was one of the ways that um, I made a lot for Christmas gifting. So I will put all the little soap and all that people order, and they will choose. Okay, I want this. This is, and the good thing about that is I try to keep it unique because these are leftovers so sometimes you don't have that many I I think that was my idea and uh, using the PVC banners because I wanted to make it stiff and I thought why should I buy a stiffener and I came up with the idea of trying to use the PVC banner and it worked and I yeah. thought okay this is really you know not only zero waste it's uh, also teaching and raising social awareness plus the fact that it's waterproof and it's really Beautiful when you sit it up straight with all the soap stuff inside, it, it looks really wonderful.
0: Yeah, I love them, that's really cool. Um, maybe a couple more questions sure. to wrap it up. But you, we talked a bit before about um, before the episode about um, your children and how they study in the states. Yeah, maybe with your career and your sort of passion for art, what are your hopes for your kids in, in the future?
1: I have no, I think. What they want and what their ambitions and career, I leave it all up to them yeah. i don 't think it's, i don 't think it 's for me spiritually. I think I would like to look at it as i 'm just a guardian, not just a parent because i don 't own them i don 't it 's not my possession yeah. I just believe that during the growing years, I hope to try to be a good mom, to be a good educator, to bring awareness, and uh, hopefully, in their careers, whatever they do, they become totally satisfied because at the end of the day. Now that I'm over fifty, uh, money isn't everything in life. Yeah, you can you can have so much money. You can go first class business trip. You can buy all the Chanel bags. To me, that isn't satisfaction in life. That's not contentment for me. Yeah. Contentment is more of looking at the world, uh, trying to do something good. You know, being empathic and compassionate about trying to make little changes. That that's that's what that's important for me.
0: <laughs> uh, actually, another question just bubbled up for me, Sand. <laughs> sure. We talked about before, but the idea with maybe my generation with millennials and how we, we lack empathy because we're sort of hyper-connected with technology. Yes. Yeah. And maybe, like I love how that, that notion of how through your work you're sort of you know, like um, indirectly teaching empathy, like teaching people to connect. Yes,
1: because when I teach art I try to connect it. For example, if I do a, a, pic- a, a picture of a, the beach for example, using all the whatever waste material that will tell a story like, you know, hey, you know, you know, like simple things, but very easy and very like, so that, you know, let's take care of our beach, you know, don't you want to see a beautiful beach? Like, how would you want your beach to be? You know, yeah. How would you like to look at the sand? You, know, you don't want it dirty. You know, you know, you just need to do it in a very light hearted, gentle manner. You know, don't do- indoctrinate people. I don't yeah. think it works. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not the generation anymore to do that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah cool um and maybe to close things up um if you were i mean say to some of the adult listeners back home if they have this sort of innate creative potential and they wanted to unlock that what's sort of like one thing you would tell them um
1: to just go ahead and try and never be afraid of making mistakes i uh, seriously i've made me- thousands millions of mistakes but uh, i've always been one to never give up I think that uh, mystics are not mystics. There are issues that you need to go over and overcome it. That's all. And uh, be more creative when you face um, something, when you lose your wallet, or when you meet some nasty people, you know. Uh, there's no point in getting angry. And always, I always ask myself like, well, maybe there's a lesson to be learned, you know. It's not about being meek or giving in, no. But it's standing on your own faith and understanding, hey, you know, Could be that person had a bad day. He just had a nasty fight with his boss. Or he was, you know, maybe his girlfriend just swore at him and then he couldn't handle it and he became nasty. That's how I look at life.
0: You're an optimist. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Lisa. Thank you. Cheers. So, that's it for another week on Brilliant. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Next week, in episode three, I sit down and chat with Dr. Ben Chan, a senior practitioner with the Presencing Institute, who works across both Perth and Jakarta. Ben and I chat about systems change at scale. See you next week, holons.